It's time for this week's Uplift. Three ordinary guys that want you to find the freedom that is available by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. So sit back and enjoy Uplift, brought to you by the Fulcrum Center. Visit our site at thefulcrumcenter.org. In God's eyes, did did Ruth's faith in in uh, did her faith redeem or lift that curse in God's eyes? And Phil said no. Okay, so yeah, I got a take on that. Do you okay. want me to? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So, so the whole book of Ruth is about the Jewish cultural understanding of the kinsman redeemer. Hmm. So the question then is in the book of Ruth, who's being redeemed? It's Naomi. It's her husband that's being redeemed because he had no heirs. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the fact that her sons died and they had no heirs. So you have to redeem the family and, but it's redeeming the male part of that like the men who were who have passed away so you need a kinsman redeemer so technically when ruth has the child it becomes naomi's child to carry on the line to carry on the line yeah and so he has all the full rights of being that jewish person regardless of uh ruth's race or religion plus I'm going to submit to you that Ruth changes her allegiance mm -hmm. and is no longer a Moabite when she tells Naomi, your people will be my people. Yeah. Your God will be my God. And so that's a statement of faith. So it's really, really similar to salvation Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. So he births himself into humanity to be related to us so that he can redeem us from the curse. Well, what, well, who's being, well, we're being redeemed, but we are bought with a price into his family and we change allegiance. We are no longer children of the world, but children of the kingdom right and i i think that that's what ruth is showing so I, I don't i don't think that you see moabites being redeemed here i mean i mean ruth obviously is one that's being redeemed but but i think her allegiance changes and i think she so she shows you know the fact that that god is willing to redeem anybody but they have got to change who they are They've got to be willing to come into his family. And uh, and I think the kinsman redeemer is not so much about Ruth as it is about Naomi's husband and sons being dead and they need a family heir. They need somebody to carry on. Now, if, of course, we know Ruth is in the Messianic line. He's, she's, in mm -hmm. the she's one of the five ladies mentioned in the Messianic lineage. Um. And so it's it's very interesting. Jesus's lineage is not without uh, stains, and 
you know, right. unsavory type people like, you know, Rahab's in there. Rahab, too, right? yep, yep. Yeah, so, but again, Rahab changes allegiance. She's no mm -hmm. longer of, of Jericho, right? She's she aligns herself with the people of Israel, with God. Mm -hmm. That changes everything. So they, in a, in a sort of way, they died to themselves. They, that is all, they died, died to their to former their, life. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. died to their former life. Yes. And Ruth mm -hmm. shows this because she, she, you know, Naomi tries to get her daughter-in-laws to go back home. Mm -hmm. you know, go back, you're young. Go back and marry your people. Ruth shows she doesn't do that. She does something else. She makes like in her own way. She makes this confession of faith. And she proves it by staying with Naomi no matter what. She she chooses to stay with Naomi without even understanding Jewish culture. She's she's choosing to stay with Naomi, assuming she's going to be poor the rest of her life, have no children the rest of her life. Like she has chosen really almost like death, like just this a terrible choice. Mm-hmm. And yet it's the right choice. So it's a, it's very, Ruth is a very, very powerful book as far as the kinsman redeemer aspect. Mm -hmm. And what it foreshadowed with Jesus. Oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to take the whole story to understand that kinsman redeemer. And, and see, we don't like have a kinsman redeemer in our culture, so we don't really understand that. But everything had to be passed down through the men. And when all the men were dead and there weren't there wasn't a a legacy, it was, it was like your legacy dies. And God is unwilling for that to happen in the Jewish culture because that these people are tied to the land. So you can't just have a a, a land that doesn't go to somebody. So he makes sure there's always a relative to to have it so like when boaz and ruth when they get married their first child is not carrying boaz's name technically it's carrying the name of the men who died N namely naomi's husband that child is the redeemer of the family mm -hmm. And of course, well, technically, Boaz is the redeemer of the family, or he purchases the family, but that child becomes the legacy, right, of the carrying on that name. Mm -hmm. So just all very, very, very interesting. But that whole process of kinsman redeem is certainly messianic, certainly expresses who we are in Christ. So, but in the same way, like when I came to Christ, did that redeem? all of the johnsons well no that redeemed this johnson but this johnson had to make a choice to leave the other johnsons to follow christ and his family right mm -hmm. so big difference right and so i think that's so long story short i think he i don't think ruth redeems all the moabites i think I think Ruth is redeemed because of the choice she makes, and she really technically becomes part of the Jewish people, just like Rahab did. Mm -hmm. Because because she left her former life. Yep. Mm -hmm.
She doesn't have to say a sinner's prayer, but this, but the commitment she makes, that's kind of what that is. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's her statement of faith in what she knows. And, and I think God honors that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that people who don't even say the sinner's prayer but have faith will be in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, the sinner's prayer is nice, but it's the faith behind it that has the power, not the mm-hmm. words themselves. Because mm-hmm. I can just say it. In fact, I... I know someone who told me, I said that prayer. I still don't believe. I'm like, okay, well, you're not going to heaven then. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not the obligation of it. Right. This, and it, to me, it's like, when is that person saved? Well, technically, when they made, when they chose to believe in Christ and they stood up to come forward. Yeah. Yeah. Right there, it's happening, right? Yeah. Like, right. Jesus never said a sinner's prayer with anybody. Right. He told them to believe in him and then they followed him. And that was the that's the action, right? That's that's it. Um, so you know, so in the same way, you know, we see Ruth doing the same thing. She makes a commitment to Naomi and her people. It wasn't just to Naomi, it was literally to her God, her people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She literally changes allegiance in everything about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She said, you know, where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Yeah. Where yeah. you rest, I will rest. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't we don't have our, our church people talking like that today, right? No, we, we don't. Hey, <laughs> your people will be my people. Your God's my God. Where you go, I'm gonna go. Actually, I've heard that used in a wedding before, though. Oh, really? Yeah, it was many years ago. I haven't in any recent weddings, but uh mm-hmm. yeah, there was a couple that wanted those particular words from Ruth to be um spoken at their wedding yeah well you know we're talking about the moabites and you know if you think about i mean there's a lot of issue with the history of the of moab and amon and they were not they were not they were even even their birth was not a good situation yeah but you know I, i don't you know if you pay attention to even their start was like really bad right and so these are technically cousins Everybody yeah. around Israel is related, right? And so these are these are cousins of of uh, Israel, and so and so yeah. you have a serious problem though because of the way they started. You know, there are lots of children, right, from his daughters, right, which is just and there, and it seems like there's a whole lack of faith going on there of why this happened and how this happened and. Yeah. And just just terrible and tragic. And so <laughs> so now I, I do think we see also because because Jesus does include these certain women like Ruth and Rahab. And, you know, we see people included into Jesus's lineage that is not necessarily Jewish. I think that's just a testimony that he's willing to save. Like he the, it's, a, it's a testimony of the Abrahamic covenant that all the nations are to be blessed. Right. God's intention has always been to save the whole world. And so, you know, now why did he why are is why is Israel the chosen people? Well, because they were chosen to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's to, to bring that revelation. But uh but yeah, God's intention has always been to save the whole and you see that with Ruth. I think what a great picture. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so loved the Jews that he gave his only son. Right. For God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Now, just out of curiosity, we, you know, talking about Ruth, and it says the Moabites, right? So the Moabites would not enter up the to assembly of God. 10, generations ten generations or something. Yeah. Anybody go back and count? Because yeah, um, <laughs> that would have been about the seventh, I think. I did go back and count. Okay, I was wondering. I was wondering yeah. if we, if anybody, I, yeah. I did, I've never taken a look to see because that was one of the first things I thought was. Well, wonder if it, wonder if Ruth would have been the eleventh generation, but no, it was. Depending on how you that's count it, interesting because her child's Obed, right? Yeah, that's so eight. David would have been the tenth. David was the tenth. Yeah, yeah, David was tenth. Obed, Jesse, David. Yep. Mm. If I counted that, right, yeah, there might be a sermon in there. We might yeah, have to do some research on that one, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I was just wondering if Ruth could have joined like the Methodist Church instead of the Assembly of God Church. <laughs> 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 I never thought of that. That's funny. <laughs> she couldn't go to Robert's church, but she could come to ours. <laughs> that was a bad joke. Oh no. Oh. That was sort of like one of Phil's dad's jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good, Chad. I like that. But not really. It really wasn't. <laughs> but That's you know, funny. I even looked in different translations to see if it said assembly of God in, in all of them. And everyone that I checked said assembly of God. Mm. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting to see what that means. What, the, what did God mean by the assembly of God? Does that mean that? I think the, he, he meant all of Israel. Okay. Including. Well, anybody under Abraham, the seed of Abraham is what I would say. I gotcha. Yeah. Which would include the Gentiles now that yeah. are, Saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, Paul brings that out in Romans 15, I believe, and uh, talks about it to the Galatians. And so there's a lot there's a lot of discussion about that. Right. With the especially with the early church, because you know, the early church was different than what we are today. Like today we see mostly Gentiles because we're, we're living in America and we see a lot of, Gen- you know, God's promise is happening in our world today. I mean, think about how cool this is. We're living out. Because we are Gentile believers, even right here, right now, we are part of the fulfillment of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening, we're living this out. And as we're living it out, just like the early church did, they had to figure this out because they were mostly Jewish people. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden, all these Gentile people are accepting their Messiah. And they're like, well, that just doesn't make sense. They're like, this is a Jewish king. And you're coming to this Jewish king like you're just receiving salvation. And then what really didn't make sense to him is God was receiving them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this doesn't make sense. And so they had to really get together. This was talking talking about really throwing them into a tizzy. They didn't know what to do. They were like, what's happening? And that's where they met with the Jerusalem council. We got to figure this out, guys. (laughs) God's doing something. We can't figure this out. I once won't mention the denomination name, but heard of bunch of uh people in this particular denomination use acts 15 to justify some of the doctrines that they've come up with and i i mean it was very loose <laughs> but, yeah. and it, i don't think it was the denominations stand on it i think it was just this group of men trying to show why so, 
So like they used the letter to say, well, this is all we have to do or something. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty, yeah. That's not, that's not really what they meant with that. That's. Uh, yeah. I walked away shaking my head from that meeting. I was like, I can't believe I just heard that. And I didn't even really know a lot about the book of acts at that time, but I knew that wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. That was really the, the attempt to bring the church together. How can right. Jews and Gentiles eat at the same table and I mean, Gentiles didn't care. Yeah. Right? Like they could, they, they didn't care, but, but Jews cared. They felt that if they ate at the table with Gentiles, that it made them unclean. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out how they can be both believers in Christ and still come to the table in unity. Right. Right. But we could, I think we could learn a lot by their get together and, you know, notice they didn't, they didn't say, they didn't give us a book this thick to tell us the rules, right? Like, or, or give us a bunch of policies. It was like four things or something. And they mm-hmm. said, okay, if, we, if you do that, we'll come together with you and we'll eat together at the Lord's table. Because I think they were more concerned with unity than disunity or, or unity than trying to keep everything perfect and right. Cause God was already blowing their mind with what he was doing. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think, I think that's the key. Like we can have all of our different denominations, but, are we more concerned with unity as believers than we are about our policies? Mm-hmm. Like, cause we want to come to the table of the Lord together. That's really what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think back to that whole early church thing. And, and when Jesus, you know, was in his ministry and then, you know, shortly after he was resurrected and all that. And, you know, the the dynamic thing that I think about here as we're talking is we were talking earlier about the Redeemer and, and you know, how, you know, in Israel, the law was that, you know, if if people would pass away, that, you know, the, if the guys would pass away, then, you know, you know, like with, with Ruth and Naomi and, you know, the, the, the bloodline and how do you redeem the, the men who died, the relatives, the next closest relative would have the baby with the widow to redeem the bloodline and all this. Mm-hmm. And and what a dramatic shift in culture that would have happened at the snap of a finger when Jesus enters the scene, because, you know, all, all these, you know, the, the, you know, we're all quick to bash the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these people We're quick to bash them, you know, and, and, and everything like that. And why can't they, why, why can't they just see that Jesus is the Messiah? Well, this is a drastic shift to everything that just happens very quickly. And of yeah. course, you know, in a way, you know, we could be critical of them and say, well, gee whiz, you know, you guys are the ones who are supposed to study the law and the scripture and understand, you know, that there was definite prophecy in there for the Messiah who comes. And now you've got this guy who shows up and he's performing all these miracles and, you know, obviously, you know, he he's who he is, but what a drastic shift in culture. And, and, you know, it's something for us to think about. Could you imagine if things like this happened in, in America? You know, most of us watching, most of the people watching this are probably from America or, you know, m- most of them aren't from China or some communist country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, think about if 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 one guy showed up and just changed the entire culture. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. just crazy to think about. So, from from that standpoint, it's like uh, 
that's what is so amazing. And, th and they didn't have the book of Hebrews and they didn't have Paul and uh, going around and, and trying to teach them how to live and how to, how to eat with the Gentiles and not be unclean. And, mm -hmm. you know, that they didn't have that until they had that, hmm. you know, and that's, a, that's just a thing for me. Cause lately I've been thinking a lot about how, how I, I'm, I'm kind of, judging myself on how i judge other people mm. right so it's like because i've i've been i've been really conscious of that like like the lord has definitely been telling me lately like you know like he's been kind of showing me how i judge other people and i and i don't even really realize me doing it but th this conversation has kind of taken a turn for me that's opened my eyes to that you know it's like we're we're so quick to judge all those people who were struggling to believe that Jesus yeah. was who he was in that time period. He was the redeemer who redeemed us all. But man, what a, what a difficult momentous shift that happened in their culture at the drop of a hat, just, just immediately. Thank you. We, we sometimes don't put like things into like modern day terms. We hear it so much, or we hear, we like read it out of the scripture and we go, well, that's what the Bible said. But let's honestly like think about if we took that and put that what that looked like in our culture. Here comes this guy who claims to be God, who looks just like you and me. Mm -hmm. Right? Good Jewish guy walking around. Yep. The only difference is you watch him, you can see miracles. How many people in our culture will go, I just don't believe, even after seeing those miracles. Mm -hmm. Right? We'd be like, oh, come on. Come on now, right? Yep. How many of us would be doing that? And then on top of that, he says he's going to save the whole world. Well, how are you going to do that? I'm going to die. <laughs> but, right? I mean, who wants, like, would any of us believe that? Like, does anybody believe that's what's going to do it? Yeah. But you see, like, the, it's, it's, it's so counterintuitive to us. The spiritual kingdom is so different, and I think that's why Jesus was expressing to us, if we don't seek him, mm -hmm. we'll miss him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's just so counterintuitive. It just doesn't make sense to us. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking about what both of you guys have just said, I, I'm reminded of the rich man and Lazarus. When the rich man dies and he is he's tormented in hell and... He um, says, you know, just have Abraham, or I'm not sorry, not Abraham, the, the Lazarus, have Lazarus go tell my brothers. And Jesus says, if they don't believe the law and the prophets, they're not going to believe when somebody rises from the dead. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus also said, you say this, but I say this, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, and there's other times when he's rebuking the Pharisees, telling them, you don't know the truth because you've you've changed it. Your culture, as you said, Chad, their culture changed the law of God. Um, and so they didn't recognize the time of his coming. Yeah. But had they truly followed and understood the kinsman redeemer in Ruth, if they truly understood what Isaiah was saying, Jeremiah said, what Ezekiel said, what all the prophets said, and even what Moses said in Deuteronomy 18, the prophet 
is going to come. If they had believed all that, they may not have missed him. Mm -hmm. um, so in our culture today, we are told, kind of reverse of what you said, Robert, we're told you're going to hear he's over there in the wilderness, don't go. You're going to hear that he's over here, don't go. Because just as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. But people are still going to go out and look for these false messiahs that some have yeah. come already, and they're going to be coming even more. And we've been told. But the thing is, who reads the Bible to know that these false messiahs are coming? So I wonder, what were they really reading? <laughs> I heard a perfect example of this one time. You say, like, let's say you got a, a, a sheep pen, okay? And you got a bunch of sheep in a sheep pen. You put a fence around it. That's the law, okay? We want to make sure those sheep don't get out. So we're going to put another fence around the outside. Now, if they do get past the first fence and they get stuck in the second one, to make sure they don't get out of the second one, we'll put another fence around mm -hmm. a third fence, okay? They're never going to get past that one. I was told that's what the Jews did. We don't want to yeah. break this law, so we're going to put these rules around it. We don't want to break these rules, so we'll put these rules around it. And they had something so completely different than what God intended through Moses that they yeah. didn't recognize Jesus when he came. Yeah, and you got to think like God's law was actually more freeing. They they oh, yeah. the more you the more you interpret God's law for your situation and for yourself, it gets smaller. Yeah, if you're not yeah. careful, you become just bound by your by the laws, right? Uh, and I, I think that's the danger. Like rules without relationship, right? You end yeah. up legalistic and religious. You don't you don't really have the heart of God at that point because yeah, there's no exactly. relational aspect. You know, and going back to what Chad was saying with like judgment, you know, think about like Ruth. I wonder how many dirty looks she got mm. from all the Jewish people. How about oh, yeah. when she, how about when Boaz started noticing her? Something you don't hear in the story that you don't hear about. What what about the other women, the other Jewish women who were poor, picking up what she was doing, and all of a sudden Boaz takes interest in her. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many Jewish women were looking at her going, she's a Moabite, isn't she? Mm -hmm. right? Like she's this, isn't she? Talk about the judgment. Even, even when you look at the kinsman redeemer, Boaz was not the first guy in line. Right. There was a closer kinsman. There was a closer relative who was supposed to do it. And he was willing to buy the property. He was willing to do all that stuff. Even willing. Oh yeah. Naomi can live there. Okay. Gotcha. Until. Ruth is mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting when Ruth is mentioned and who she is by Boaz, that guy kind of backs out and he's like, I, I, don't, do know, I, don't, I don't know that I need all that now. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's like, and then Boaz is like, you got to make a choice. If you're not willing to do this, I am. Right. That's a great point, Robert. And so what do we think that guy was implying? Because I was, I was intrigued by that as well when we read it. So he, he said it may like mess up my estate or it may cause problems in my estate or something. His inheritance, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was intrigued by that. I was going to look it up and I didn't, but just to try to uh, try to get other people's input on what they thought that that meant. But that's interesting. So Robert, are you are you thinking that this guy 
was thinking that uh, she's a foreigner, she's a Moabite, I don't want her. So here's my question. What if she was a young, beautiful uh, Jewish woman? <laughs> Would his yeah. attitude have been different? Mm -hmm. She's probably young and beautiful, right? She's young enough to have a family still, but but she's a Moabite who's come with Naomi. And for some, like, he doesn't back away when he finds out the family. Oh, it's Naomi. Okay. People know, they know Naomi. Yeah. So yeah. That's not the issue. And she was from not, there. They don't, yeah. And they don't back away. He doesn't back away about the property. He seems to back away when this whole Ruth situation, like, he's really unsure about that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it may, I mean, and it's kind of a little weird anyway, because you, you technically are taking that lady on whatever child she has from you. It's not your child. Right? Like it's technically going to that family. So it, it is a strange, it's like, we don't get that in our culture. Cause that's just kind of weird. That'd be like, I mean, it's just weird. It's like, Hey, Phil, you know, your, your brother passed away and don't worry. You can father his child. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm going to do what now? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it's just weird. Right. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? And so, you know, but that's that was part of that culture, and that was that kinsman redeemer. But he only seems to back away. It, if I remember the text right now, it's been a while since I've read it, but it, it he seems to back away at the whole Ruth situation. Yes, it was. Yes, and it almost implies he's not comfortable with the Moabite situation there. Yeah, Boaz explains it. He says, "I will redeem." And Boaz says, okay, well, here's the matter of Ruth. He goes, I can't, that'll ruin my inheritance. Mm -hmm. And he backs away at that moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also in that story, Boaz specifically, I, I didn't pick this up the first few times I ever read this, but this last time I read it, he specifically says, and I can't remember if it was to the men or to the women, to leave her alone. You know, oh, yeah. do not harm Ruth. Because, right. you know, I'm sure... Otherwise, she'd have been harmed, you know, being a Moabite oh, yeah. woman. And and like you said, Robert, the, the this poor woman, we're poor, too. And we're gleaning from the edges, which was part of the law to glean from the edges of the field. And why does she get to take it and why she gets so much? Mm -hmm. So he said, you know, leave her alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, it's interesting to think of how our culture is different today. Well, that could be next week's uplift. We could talk about, you know, how how our culture differs. Yeah. I have a lot more questions that I wanted to ask, but we're we're probably running close on time. <laughs> yeah, we are. But yeah, I mean, we could do that next week. That'd be great. Uh, so if anybody's watching and they have, if they want to know any questions about the difference in the culture between then and now, you know, any kind of questions, submit them, turn, yeah. put them, post them, post the questions. That's a great idea. And then we'll, we'll see them and we'll talk about them next week. Yeah. Because just, you know, think about the benefits we have just by having the new Testament, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, they, they didn't have that. Even, even you know, uh, throughout the whole early church, they never had that. They were walking it every day. Right, and there, right. There was no YouTube. You know, that's the thing, like, today. You know, like, when something happens, there could be something that happens in, in, in completely on the other side of the planet. 
man, there could be 50 YouTube videos up in five minutes about that thing. <laughs> yeah. And you could, you can, you have live video uh, and, and commentary and all this stuff. And, and, and immediately, immediately, you have all this information. And think about that. Like, they never had that at all. Now, right. there's good and bad with that because those people, I really believe they were tuned in to the Holy Spirit, you know, obviously. I mean, right. right. whereas today, that gets watered down and filtered out and over, well, not necessarily watered down and filtered out. The Holy Spirit has to compete with all that stuff to get through, you know, because we've yeah. got YouTube and CNN and uh, every 50 million things of sources of information, live information, just bombarding us. And, and the Holy Spirit doesn't, you know, you, we got to be purposeful with that. Well, I, I kind of compare <laughs> and, and it, this is. Just a, a Robert Johnson blurt right here. I almost think about the internet as like the Tower of Babel. Mm. Like the whole world wanted to come together and build something, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what the we're doing the same thing, but this time it's digitally, right? We're coming together economically, coming together digitally, and we're building something, right? And it's and it's this. So that now you have all this information that floods your household, floods your life. Think of the amount of influence that comes into your household that would have never happened in the first century or in biblical times. Heck, it didn't happen in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think, think of how much, uh, I don't want to say easier parenting was, mm. but it was yeah. much more communal for that local area, right? Now you have children who are being influenced by people who they never know yeah who, right. who they have a tendency to believe and trust for what purpose just that they're somebody they see on the internet mm -hmm. yeah and it's like wow you know you just got to you know it, it's shocking the kind of world we live in now and it's almost like i just kind of it just seems like the internet is almost this coming together but you know god does the same thing with uh the church coming together using Pentecost, mm -hmm. right? bringing people together under his banner as well. So just, you know, so there's mm -hmm. this, this thought here, but you know, it's, it's just fascinating. All that, all that uh, is happening there. Of course, you know, you know, Tower Bible was not a good thing. It ended up being very corrupt and horrible and not God's plan at all. Um, and I'm not saying that about the internet. I think it's a double-edged sword, like just about everything we create. It can, have, well, it can have bad things. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, globalism is the end time tower of Babel. There's there's no question about it. And artificial intelligence is the same mm. thing. God's not going to let it stand. That's yeah. why we're in the end times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's man's attempt. It's man's attempt to be God. Uh, well, yep. I'm sure, I'm sure in Ruth's time, Boaz, I'm sure he just Said, well, I wonder who that woman is. And he probably just pulled up his Google. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. LinkedIn. Well, okay. well, guys, this Facebook. was a good conversation tonight. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but Boaz looked Boaz looked up Ruth on, on Facebook. On Facebook, right. 
You, you notice he did it in his own way, right? He did it in his own. He he started asking around who she yeah. was, right? Yeah, yeah. She was so. a member of the Moab, Moab group. So <laughs> that Moab was chat. Uh, Moab chat. Yeah. Yeah, like a rival football team, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Now we really went over. Okay, Phil. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, my wife's looking for me, so I'm going to have to drop off here. All right. But uh, it was a great conversation. Yeah, likewise. Mm -hmm. Yep. So next week we'll have to we'll have to remember this, and we'll have to uh, and hopefully we'll get some feedback from people. Post yeah. up your questions. Yeah. Yep. All right. You guys have a great evening. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you and too. We'll, we'll be back again next week. We'll be here. All right. See ya. Good night.